overcome that? Yeah, we're, we we get really comfortable where we are, including comfortable in our fears. Uh, you know, I'm afraid to move to uh, you know Portugal and retire there. Although I've been to Portugal, it's nice, but I wouldn't want to retire there. It's you you get comfortable with your fears, and it, get, it gets easy to just say, "Well, you know, I just don't have the time." It's a lot easier to cop out than it is to face it. Welcome back to Just Doing Life with your favorite host, Megan, and I am not failing you people. If you recall, last week was my first episode back in a long, long time, and I said, I'm going to stick with it, and I'm sticking with it for two weeks in a row. So today, it's not just me. I have another interview. Today, I interviewed Tennis, and Tennis I met on Reddit. Um, we talked about a lot of great things. I think this was an exciting conversation to have because as I mentioned last week, I don't want all of my interviews to be so um, like tactical. Is that the right word? Tactical career guidance Um, because I just think that's not super, super useful and I want it to be more conversational, just talk about life and life stories and perspective and all of these different things, which I think we get a lot of from this conversation. Tennis had a lot of one-liners, which I loved, and things that I just think are really important to keep in mind. Um, And he also is a retired individual, so he has his experiences, or he has the ability to reflect on all of his experiences as he went through his career. Um, So yeah, I'm excited for you guys to listen to this episode. As always, if you think this is something that you have a friend or family member who would love or benefit from a good conversation, a good story, send it their way. You know, this way, it's not just me and my four fans listening make someone's day. Okay. Anyways, let's get to the episode. Let's get to the good juicy stuff. All right. Here's Tennis. All right. Well, with that, I'll give a little introduction. Hey, everybody. Today I'm here with Tennis. I met Tennis via Reddit, which is one of my favorite ways to meet strangers. Um, And this is my first interview in a hot second. Just took a little bit of time away from the podcast. So welcome back. And I'm super excited to learn more about Tennis's story. Um, So with that, I'll give you the floor to give a little introduction where you're from, um, save all like the fun career life journey stuff for later, but any sort of hobbies or cool, interesting things you want the audience to know about yourself. Okay. um, My name is Tennis. That's my real name. Uh, It's a Southern name. I'm from Alabama. And um, I left there when I was very young and went out into the world and lived in California for 30 years. And now I'm in Tennessee and, uh, and retired. Uh, my career is mostly behind me now. Uh, and I'm here to talk about that. Amazing. Love to hear it. So, so Alabama to California to Tennessee, those are all quite different places to live. What brought you out to California or I guess made you leave Alabama one or the other? Oh, I, uh, never did well in school. Uh, although I was obviously intelligent as a child, I never really took to school particularly well. Uh, I found reasons for that later on, which has to do with what is confused with dyslexia and other things like that. Anyway, um, long story short, I dropped out of high school. The last grade I actually passed was the eighth grade. And then I, 
in what would have been my 10th grade year, because I had failed everything, it wasn't a 10th grade year, I um, I dropped out and waited at home until I turned 17. And for it was just a few weeks because I was older than most people in my grade. And I turned 17 and went into the Air Force. And after my time in the Air Force, I was offered a job in California. And that's how I ended up in California. Okay. So how long were you in the Air Force for? I was in for four years. Uh, I had a great time. It was uh, everything I've become and everything I am is because of the Air Force. Um, I don't mind saying I had uh, an awesome experience. I was stationed in England just outside London Mm -hmm. um, and was there for three and a half years. Very cool. Well, thank you for your service, first of all. I'm curious, you know, I've, I've spoken with individuals who have gone into the army, air force, whatever it may be right after college or right after high school. Um, and I'm curious, were you given your history with school, struggling in school? Was it something that you were sort of coaxed into? Did it feel like the only option where, what led you to go into the air force originally? Well, I had always had an affinity for it. My father was a veteran. Um, and most of the people I knew of any age were veterans. My father had a, a, a positive experience in the military. So that, you know, uh, influenced me. Um, and I thought it was a very nice way to get out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a win-win situation as far as I was concerned. So, no, I don't feel like that I was uh, uh, groomed and harvested right. by this evil uh, uh, entity. No, it's, I willingly and, uh, very, uh, enthusiastically, uh, took to it. Amazing. Any, any like core memories from being in the air force, anything that you think changed your perspective on life or what you wanted to do? Oh, sure. I mean, if, if you, if you find yourself at three in the morning in your underwear on a, on a, on a uncarpeted floor, polishing boots with people screaming at you it gives you a perspective on life mm-hmm. oh i'm sure um, i can't say i've come across those situations myself yeah, but yeah it's, it's one of those you know it's it's um i remember near i remember in basic training it was it was the, the drill instructor came in one day and he had a garbage can in his in his arms and he says there's garbage in the garbage can and there's not supposed to be between the hours of 0900 and 15 and 1700 but I found garbage in it. So he upends it, drumps all this trash on the floor in front of us and throws it across the room and then leaves. And I remember sitting there thinking, wow, this is just another day. Oh my, wait, no, sorry. Um, No garbage in the garbage cans during like regular business hours. Yeah. Uh, The idea is. What's the, yeah, yeah. Elaborate, please. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea is if, if you're put into an environment where there are confusing rules, sometimes arbitrary rules, mm-hmm. and you just have to deal with it. Um, and believe it or not, after a few weeks of that, you begin to blossom as a, as a person inside the confines of the organization. That sounds really weird. You get into the mindset where you'll do things and 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 go along with things that may not make sense, but that's what they're asking you to do. And that's the part of, of tearing down of the individual and building up the core mental core as in C O R P S mm-hmm. mentality. 
Uh, it's it's not so bad in the Air Force. It's a lot worse than say the Marine Corps. But their their job, is, you know, they're if somebody says, well, if you think basic training is bad, you know, try combat. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> if you think Goodness. that sucks, yeah. Oh my gosh. So I'm curious then what are there also, I don't know if you can tell, but there's like <laughs> flashing my light in my ceiling fan decides to go in and out sometimes. So if that happens again, I apologize if it goes berserk, but okay. um, I'm curious then what, what other like crazy rules or experiences did you have that felt like they were trying to break you down? And Oh yeah, there were lots of those. Do that. Did, were there ever any of, for you, any like personal breaking moments where you you know, oh, yeah. When, yeah. Oh, sure. There were a lot of breaking moments. I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, crying in, 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 uh, phone booths and, you know, just, just, uh, how am I going to deal with this? Cause that was comparatively, uh, uh, I don't know what I would say, nebbishy person as a child. I didn't, you know, do sports and I didn't, I wasn't outgoing and I mm-hmm. was very heady and not very athletic. And I just, you know, I'm not used to this being screamed at and pushed around and, no physical violence, but it doesn't make any difference in one sense because it was, you know, just emotionally very trying. But, uh, you know, there were moments when I was literally, you know, shivering with fear because, you know, and looking back on it, there was nothing to be afraid of. But, you know, that was me and my naivete at at that age. Mm -hmm. And that's designed to be that way. Um, So when you go through that, there's there's the old adage that, uh, you wouldn't want to do it again, but you wouldn't take anything for the uh, experience. Very interesting. Um, yeah, it's um, it's 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 a it's a very good experience for a young person to go through. Mm-hmm. It really is. I I do recommend it. It's in spite of what I'm telling you, I do recommend yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Well, cool. Okay, so so you went through the Air Force, and then you said you got a job in California. Mm-hmm. Um, take me through that. What was that first job? How did you land it? Um, were you excited? Were you eager to get out of the Air Force? Yeah, I was I, I, eager is not eager is a good description. Um, it's not quite the word I would use. It was, I knew it was time. Uh, okay. I, I didn't like what happened to people who stayed in the Air Force. They got comfortable in that womb and and sort of stopped taking chances. And I just didn't see myself doing that. I wanted to to go out on my own. So I left the Air Force in, in January, I think, of 84. And then um, went back to my home of record in Alabama and began sending out resumes. Um, they were, I mean, I'm from Northern Alabama. They were obsessed about having a degree. I did not have a degree. I had a GED. Uh, I got a GED incidentally, so I could take classes in Shakespeare at Stratford. Um, in Shakespeare? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I took I took Shakespeare at Stratford. I took theater in London. Anyway, sorry, but for the digression. No, so I love it. I love it. They they were they were obsessing in Northern Alabama, where people didn't really know any better. I was I was I had been trained as a telecommunications specialist, but everybody around me in Alabama uh, were obsessing about the fact that I didn't have a college degree. Well, I knew perfectly well that I was bankable as a person without the college degree. I just had to find the right. Uh, organization to appreciate my training. Long story, but I knew about Visa, the credit card company, and that they did hire people like me. So I went down to the library and I did some research and I found out that the fellow who founded Visa basically said he didn't think education amounted to a hell of a lot. And you can't tell the difference between somebody with a college degree and somebody without. 
So I thought, okay. So I called up Visa, this the area that what that was involved in my field of expertise, and just got into a BS session with one of the guys. And he told me a lot about it. Now there were two sites at that time. There was one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast. I opted for the one on the West Coast to send my resume to. I also told them that I would pay for my own trip out there if they would talk to me. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, because I, you know, I was yeah. banking pretty heavily. Now, by this time, I had had a couple of conversations. It felt really good. Uh, I felt like I had. This is sorry. I'm just sitting here thinking for a second. It's so funny because in in today's day and age, I'm sitting here mm-hmm. thinking like a Zoom interview or a phone interview, something like that. Yeah. So you're saying you had to obviously commute out there, which is a big deal. You oh, know, yeah. it, took, it just took me a second for to realize that what you're saying, you were so adamant about getting this job that you were willing to make the trek out there to get yourself in front of them as opposed yeah. to what we're, we have the luxury of nowadays where we just say, Oh, let's hop on a call as we're doing now. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. it was, it was one of those things. And that's one of the things that if I could, I'm going to try, I've got, you know, I've got a gray beard now so I can Im- try to impart wisdom. Right. <laughs> I, you know, one of the things, one of the things I can say is you've got to make opportunities for yourself. And that's the sort of opportunity that I ultimately made for myself. Uh, that doesn't mean that I sort of forced my way in the door. It just means that I finally got myself in front of people who appreciated me and I appreciated them. Mm-hmm. Um, had a good conversations on the phone, told them I would pay my way. They were happy with that. I went out there. We I interviewed. Um, they were happy with me. They offered me a job within a few days and I didn't have anything to my name to speak of. I mean, I had a duffel bag and that's it. Mm-hmm. So it was easy for me to move. So I moved to California, uh, the Bay Area specifically, um, and was there at Visa for uh, with with a with a a sojourn away for eight months. I was there for twelve years. Wow! So yeah, all off of all off of a couple of phone calls on a trip out to California. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, I, I want to go back to your comment about having a college education because I I can definitely. I, I can imagine the pressure that it probably felt to have something on your resume, you know, mm-hmm. not having that college degree and competing against others who did. I'm curious what your thoughts are now. Um, I feel like there's a push away from universities again, not necessarily, you know, this big mass exodus of students leaving colleges, but I think there's a new or found um, appreciation for like entrepreneurship and the fact that you don't necessarily need to go to college to be mm-hmm. successful. I'm just curious what your thoughts are, you know, as someone who didn't go to school and you made a name for yourself without mm-hmm. having that formal education, is there anything that you feel like you lacked without a degree or do you, do you understand and, um, you know, want the push for no more universities or, or a big deal about universities? It's a good question. I, I, there were a couple of times that I felt lacking in my uh, expertise. Um, not so much in expertise as in the in study habits. That was, you know, that's something that uh, you learn in school. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like this perspective of taking college a lot less seriously than people used to, mm-hmm. because people find themselves a quarter million dollars in debt with a useless degree in their hand. Uh, I still think a STEM degree is is worth having, although pure mathematics that doesn't necessarily translate to something you can do. But most there's a lot of programmers who became were pure mathematicians. Um, 
So I like that. You know, I like the idea of trade schools. Go to a trade school, learn to be a plumber. Mm-hmm. Trust me, they make good money. Right. I've oh my a, gosh. Good, uh, yeah. It's crazy when you actually do your research on trade schools. I think trade schools are talked down a lot and yeah. they just don't have the glamour that a four year mm-hmm. degree has. But if you're looking, if you're striving to get some money in that wallet, (laughs) there are far more opportunities outside of going to a four-year university that people don't talk about or just refuse to acknowledge as a potential option. Yeah. Academia looks down on trade schools. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're, and as they look down on the military, if you're too poor, stupid, or psychotic to go to college, then you go to a trade school or in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the attitude and it's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's just, you know, anyway, I, I, so I like the idea of trade. I have a brother-in-law who uh, is a plumber and he's a bazillionaire. I mean, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's made all kinds of money. He's a very intelligent man, mm-hmm. but he, um, he didn't go the uh, the academic route and the academics like to look down on that. Mm-hmm. It was just so sorry to keep going down this rabbit hole, but I just right. think it's, it's such a crazy concept to me because you look at high paying jobs in society and it comes that the jobs that we rely on to keep society functioning, like mm-hmm. the garbage men or the construction workers or things mm-hmm. like that are the the people who don't have the stature that you think they would. Whereas, you know, the people- in the corporate codes, which I, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I am a corporate girl myself, <laughs> but like, it just, it's just a crazy concept to me that we all as a society are like, Oh, garbage men worthless. They're yeah. the ones who keep our cities clean. Like, you know, it just blows my mind, but um, it really, it, it, it's, it's really one of the, one of the columnists I like pointed out something really interesting years ago. I was reading, there aren't really dead end jobs. There are dead end people. Um, it's about attitude and I trust a garbage guy who is enthusiastic in the sense that he wants to do a good job Mm -hmm. a lot more than I trust a programmer who is this sort of existential crisis ridden angst driven, uh, weirdo Mm -hmm. who is, is, is an academic star, you know, they, they, there's no comparison to me, but you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's my opinion. Interesting. Not no dead end jobs, just dead end people. Yeah, uh, you're surrounded. And if I can, you know, and I'm I'm trying to be uh, circumspect about this, but I, one thing I find is that you're you're surrounded. If 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 you're in a Western democracy and your and your life is well, relatively free, you are surrounded by opportunities. They are everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just you've got to find the the way to see it. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part. Mm-hmm. You got to fl- flush them out somehow. Um, and that's, that's hard. That's not easy. That's, I mean, that's what an entrepreneur does that other people don't do. Absolutely. I'm Googling right now. Have you ever heard of the book, The Serendipity Mindset? No, but it's, I think I can guess what it's about. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's exactly what you're saying. I, I read it last earlier this summer or last summer. Um, mm-hmm. And it just talks about exactly what you said about making, you know, with your job, getting, uh, working with for visa and, uh, and trying to fly out there to the West coast to mm-hmm. um, get yourself in front of them. It's talking about finding or making use of the opportunities in front of you and mm-hmm. being in this perspective where there's opportunities all around you. It's about mm-hmm. you looking and acting on them. You know, mm-hmm. you're sitting down on a bus rather than sitting there buried into your phone, 
take a look at the people around you. The person sitting to your right might have a backpack from the company you've been trying to work for. Have a conversation, develop those opportunities, Um, which I just think for all the listeners, if anyone likes the concepts that we're discussing here, you should check out the book because it's fascinating. And it really just teaches you to have this more open mindset, which I think a lot of us are very closed off and like to tell ourselves that, you know, we're stuck in the situation due to, you know, circumstances mm-hmm. that are out of our control. It's in your power, you know, to, it to is. take it a leap is. of faith and, and make those opportunities like you're, you're saying. Yeah. I, I once got an interview at Pixar, the, the film oh, really? company. For, for uh, what type of role? It's technical role. Okay. Um, because um, I got into a BS session with somebody who worked there on LinkedIn. Cause I, I just, I just, te- I just texted him and says, Oh, you work at, at Pixar. What's it like? Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we, I got the interview, didn't get the job, didn't care because I wasn't really very interested, but it was fun to go there. Um, and it was like a big playground, by the way, it really is like a big yeah. playground. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. Um, so it was just fun just to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, those kinds of things are everywhere. And, the, and looking back on my life now, I'm just sad that there were so many opportunities that I realize I had now that I didn't take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because other people didn't offer it to me, it's because I didn't see it. And that's that's so hard. Do you have any tips for you know how to see it or or is it something that you think comes with reflection? You know, you're you're talking about these experiences from your past that you wish you would have taken advantage of. Do you think it's more so just about saying yes, or do you have to be actively pursuing? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think, I think you need to fail a lot. I think you have to be really willing to fail. Uh, I'm not saying chuck everything and become a monk and live up in the woods because mm-hmm. you want you know. I'm saying give it a try, give something a try, and if it blows up, be willing to try to figure out how to deal with that. Um, in other words, don't be afraid of a little bit of pain. Um, now, if you've got a wife and three kids, you know, it's not a great idea to, to, you know, to give it all up and become the local soccer coach. You know, maybe you won't be able to have the time to do that. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is you can explore with people who already do it, you know, how you could work your way into it. Just talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's about pursuing failure in some weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, and staying open to new ideas, you know, wow, you know, I'm just not very good. At, you know, I, when I was, uh, unfortunately I was too ego driven when I was young or I'm still too ego driven now, but I was, <laughs> I, I was, I was ego driven a lot when I was younger. And at 22, I volunteered for a job at visa and it made me the youngest one ever in this particular job. And it was building or designing networks for them. I stank at it. I absolutely stank. I was completely incompetent. And I, you know, I couldn't get to work on time because I hated being there so much. I would leave early. You know, I got fat. I mean, it was just awful. You know, everything, you know, is just what am I going to do? And I went into my boss's office one day and said, I'm sorry, but I can't do this. And I was going to go back and be a faceless technician in the midship. And he said, well, um, I'm going to have you talk to the woman who's in charge of the software engineering group because I had an obvious aptitude for it because I used to do a lot of stuff with them mm-hmm. before I took this job. And I ended up working for her. her name is Marilyn DePauli, and she gave me a chance. Um, and I will be forever grateful, grateful to her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I, I basically screwed myself royal. And then because of that, I got an opportunity somewhere else. Incredible. So, so this is all at that California job. That was at the California okay. visa. Yeah. So you, I'm just trying to put a timeline in my head then mm-hmm. for, so you were only at the company for, it had to have been a short blip before you got this big That's job. Right, yeah. As yeah, a, I was okay. a, yeah. I was a fast burner. I, I got there yeah. in 84 and by 85 or six, I had this job. Wow. Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, I was kind of a wonderkind and, and, you know, I was, working with people who had far more education than me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it was that kind of environment. They didn't really care. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cared, you know, what have you done? What have you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and um, yeah, so that's, that's the timeline. I have to ask, what was the nudge that got you to walk into your, your boss's office and say, you know, I can't do this anymore. Cause I think a lot of us find ourselves complacent and just, mm-hmm saying this pays the bills. Um, it's not, it's not that bad. It's not great, but it's not that bad. What was the final breaking oh, point yeah. you said, I need to be done with this. I'm going to digress a little bit. So please I can do. Please do. answer that. After I got out of the air force, I took, one of the things I did is I wanted to prepare myself for life as much as I could. And among the things I did is I, I went and took a battery of aptitude tests by a company called Johnson O'Connor, who are still around and have been since the 1920s. And what they do is aptitude tests. Um, they will, you know, and they had, they have a long two day series of, of aptitude tests they give you. So I took their tests among the tests that I, among the results that I got was that, um, in one area having to do with, with dimensional thinking, spatial thinking, I was at the top of the chart. I was absolutely off the, you know, the very top of the chart, mm-hmm. uh, engineers, surgeons, dentists, uh, uh, carpenters, people like that score ex- exceptionally high in that. On the other hand, I was extremely low in an aptitude they call graphoria which is the ability to work with paperwork, you know, looking at and working in paper. Yeah. Accountants score insanely high (laughs) in that. Not surprisingly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have very little aptitude to this day. I, I, I almost invariably fill out a form incorrectly because they just don't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, God help you. If you ever wanted me to do your taxes, that kind of thing, we'd all be in (laughs) Leavenworth. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I just have no, which is part of the reason why I didn't do well in school. Um, uh, and they told me, incidentally, they said, you would have been better off in an apprenticeship program growing up, which is ultimately what happened in the air force. It was an apprenticeship kind of program. Anyway, s- the thing that nudged me over the edge in this particular job is that it was all paperwork. All it was, was paperwork and talking. There was no touching things. There was no doing things, mm-hmm. uh, doing spatial things. Mm-hmm. And I, in my hubris, took this job because the prestige meant more to me than the fact that I wasn't a good fit. And I paid the price for it. It was a miserable eight months, six months. I don't know what it was, but it was only months. Um, And, you know, 
that's that was the that was the nudge. I just couldn't deal with the paperwork mm-hmm. anymore. I don't care. There are some things, and the, the, the Johnson O'Connor attitude, and mine too, is that there are some things that if you simply don't have a knack for, it doesn't make any difference how much you're paid. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you don't have a knack, if my, in my case, I don't have a knack for paperwork. It doesn't make any difference how much I would get paid. I just I just I would be not only not do it well, I'd be unhappy doing it. Right. Right. So that's, that's to answer your question. What it yeah. Means. Yeah. Very interesting. So, um, so you got then from this miserable eight month period, mm-hmm. you then landed the next role. Is that where you mm-hmm. stayed for the rest of your time? You said what, 30 years in California? Or Pretty you- much. Uh, what happened was, is I, I, um, I did a, a, a big project at Visa and burned myself out. So I left Visa, I went to Apple in the, uh, in their office in Berkeley, California. And I was there for about eight months and got laid off. Oh, well, um, then went back to Visa and I was there for another eight years or so. Um, finally, I left Visa because I wanted to get out of the womb, get away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I worked for, uh, let's see, I worked for a startup and that didn't work out. And then I worked for Cisco, the router company okay, for about 10 years. Um, and, and were then, these all very similar jobs? Similar. Yeah. Software engineering, software engineering. Okay. Or, or software testing. That's another unsung job that uh, people, um, um, don't give the prestige that it deserves. Mm-hmm. What, and what exactly is, what would that day-to-day look like? Oh yeah. Software testing is interesting. Um, in theory, when a piece of software is written, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a website, anything. Somebody somewhere has written down what the website's going to do. If you press this button, then this is going to happen. If you press that button, this other thing is going to happen. Um, so the presumption is, is having written all that stuff down, you hand it to a person whose job it is, is to verify that what you said it was going to do, it's going to do. Mm-hmm. And not crash, by the way, doing it. Um, there's a famous joke that, and I'll tell it's real, it's kind of long, but I'll tell you the joke is that, um, the the this somebody wrote a uh, a piece of software for emulating a bar, and they wrote it so that you could walk into the bar and order a beer. You could order ten beers. You could order negative ten beers. You could order zero beers. <laughs> you could order nothing at all. So those are all the cases, right? All mm-hmm. the all the different test cases. So you test all those, right? Then somebody walks into the bar. And that's where the bathroom is and the whole damn thing crashes. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that a software tester does. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So it's it's an unsung job. It is looked down upon by the developers, but a good tester is worth their weight in gold. So mm-hmm. they're, they're again, they make the society function, yet they oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. And you can tell, and the worst people that ever test software, are the people that wrote it, because they, they make assumptions and you right. can't make assumptions. Right. So. Very interesting. Okay. So, so you, you were in California all that time doing all that software work. What brought you up to Tennessee? Mm. My father at that time, this is about nine years ago now was very elderly and needed uh, my mother was gone and my father was very elderly and needed attention. Uh, he needed some, some uh, care. So I moved back to Tennessee from California um, 
as it happens, it, it was a good time to do that because California was getting increasingly expensive and crazy and unsafe, mm-hmm. especially where I was. I was in the Oakland Hills. Um, so I, I, we moved out here about nine and a half years ago and, um, have been here ever since. Okay. Um, okay. And, and I, you... I work for a couple of startups. Okay. So, so still software mm-hmm. area. Okay. Very interesting. So now, and now I'm just going to ask you just questions about life in general. And, sure. and given your gray beard, I do think you have the wisdom. To <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to hit you with a hard one right at the, at the beginning here. Mm-hmm. Over the course of your time, well, you're retired now. So looking back at all of your, your job hopping and moving around, are, do you have any regrets on the path that you took or any wishes that you had for, you know, to maybe, I know we talked previously about you wishing you would have taken advantage of the opportunities that presented themselves, mm-hmm. but do you have any um, wishes maybe to pursue something totally different or are you happy and content with the path that you did take? No, I'm pretty happy with the path that I took. That's never really been um, a question for me. I think maybe if I, I, I may have, I may have enjoyed management, but I, once again, getting something, getting something done through other people never, you know, enthused me that much uh so i i kept my hands on the work so to speak and Mm -hmm. doing that requires you to be what they call an individual contributor so i have it's a little regret about that my biggest regrets there are two of them they're uh, um not about the path taken but the what the way i handled things um one of them and i'm not going to use names uh one of them was a startup that i was at where I was in charge of testing. Now, the problem was is that, that, that um, uh, once again, my ego got in the way. I had nine developers and there was me, one tester. That is a bad ratio. Uh, and my boss asked me, is everything under control? Are you automating the tests okay? And I said, yes. Now, I didn't think of it that way, but basically I was lying to him. You know, more importantly, I was lying to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I was drowning and I didn't have the presence of mind to stick up my hand and say, dude, this is getting out of control. and We're going to do something about it because I was blaming myself for falling behind. Mm-hmm. So I, I was, you know, in, in the in the background, I was trying to, you know, shuffle the the uh, the the pea pods and keep everything going. Anyway, I went on a vacation. Um, and while I was gone, he got into the automation and discovered nothing was working. So when I got back, long story short, I had to leave. Yeah. And it's Mm -hmm. straight up because I lied to the guy. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a big regret on my part. And it's like I said, most importantly, it's because I lied to myself. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of those things that happened so easily and so fast. I didn't even think about it at the time. At the time, and that feels like a gut punch after. Oh, it was a total gut punch. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was a total gut punch. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Uh, one regret, you know, uh, I should have stood up and said this isn't working and been fired, rather than get caught and be fired. Um, it it was it was it was a bad deal uh, mm-hmm. all the way around. And, you know, it soured relationships that I had. 
uh, with people and, you know, it, it was just a, a bad, you know, stain on my soul as well as on my career. Mm-hmm. Although there was no fallout from it from any you know, other companies or anything. It was just not a, not something that I would do. Yeah. Now, is this the sort of thing you wanted to ask about? Yeah. This- yeah, absolutely. Okay. I just, I, I just love, I, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. And mm-hmm. I think it's also my way of finding comfort in in the unknown and trusting that my path is going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of where I like lead in. I'd like to lead in is sure myself. You know, I'm I'm 24. Mm-hmm. I have had two jobs post college. I still don't feel like I've quite found exactly what it is that I want to do, mm-hmm. and I find so much anxiety and fear around trying to figure out what that next move is. What's the next thing for me? You know, how is my, like, there's the, the old telltale where it talks about the man with the string who every time he pulls a string, he gets to fast forward 10 years and see what the next 10 years look like. Mm-hmm. And ultimately he gets to 95 and he's seen all the cool things, but he hasn't ever experienced them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I find myself in that position a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find reassurance in hearing other people say, you know, I don't have any regrets. I don't, uh, uh you know, I appreciate everything that happened in my path. Mm-hmm. I'm curious from your perspective, did you ever find yourself in these, especially in, you know, the early parts of your career, just going, driving yourself nuts, trying to figure out what's your next move or did oh, you, yeah. Feel oh, like yeah. you were very oh, yeah. well-centered? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, uh, uh, no, no, that's now, now I can talk about some regrets that, yeah, there's, I I was thinking about, you know, the, the emotional gut punch regrets, but there's also some regrets that I can talk about now. So I'm going to, I'm going to revise what I told you earlier. Oh, no regrets. I'm going to revise that a little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, I, you know, should have, you know, traveled a lot more, I, you know, uh, you know, move to Singapore, learn, learn Mandarin, uh, you know, settle down with a Chinese wife. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, it just do something. That's something that, that, that I always, um, disliked about all the resumes that I used to see is, you know, what have you done to make yourself outstanding? What have you done to make yourself unusual? What makes you a unicorn? What have you done to make yourself a unicorn? You know, a young woman, I know this is a timely thing. This is a few years ago now, so it wasn't quite as heavy duty as it would be now, but, um, she asked me, what should she do with her life? And I said, go do two years in the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. She was Jewish. So you want a perspective on life and how complicated things can get? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> go give that a try. I mean, just, you know, and, and that's one of the things that I wish I had done is, you know, just, I should have relocated back to the UK and been a technician there for a while or, you know, moved to Amsterdam and, and you know, and done just something to 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 make life more interesting than you know than just the sort of straight and narrow path Mm -hmm. that everybody thinks you ought to be on so let me ask you because i i feel like time and time again people say that you know i hear that all the time Mm -hmm. biggest regrets are are not traveling or not Mm -hmm. taking that leap of faith and trying something crazy and new Mm -hmm. Why, why do you think it is that we as humans don't do that because everyone and their dogs are saying I wish I did this. Yet oh, yeah. Very few people do, myself included. What mm-hmm. do you think it is that holds people back? And from your perspective, is there a way to overcome that? Yeah, we're, we, we get really comfortable where we are, including comfortable in our fears. 
you know, I'm afraid to move to uh, you know Portugal and retire there. Although I've been to Portugal, it's nice, but I wouldn't want to retire there. It's you you get comfortable with your fears, and it get, it gets easy to just say, well, you know, I just don't have the time. It's a lot easier to cop out than it is to face it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, you know, the reason why I went in the Air Force is because I was in a lot of pain. And I was in enough pain that I, you know, like a burn victim jumped into a pond. That pond was the Air Force. It did well by me. But, mm-hmm. you know, it could have been drugs. It could have been something else. You know, you just, you got to be in enough pain. Or you've got to realize that you're screwing yourself you know, emotion, uh, uh, intellectually by just running in that little circle saying, well, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, you got to break out of that. And Mm -hmm. that's not easy, by the way, I am not, there's not, uh, I don't know what to tell you to, to break out of other than just be aware Mm -hmm. that when you, when you think, oh, I can't because I'm afraid to great recognize that, but don't let it rule your decisions. Mm -hmm. Of course it was scary. Yeah, there's been scary. It was scary move going to the air. It was scary going to California. It was scary coming to Tennessee. Just got a deal. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting because I, again, I feel like I've been doing that with myself, the running the, mm-hmm. the hamster wheel in my head of things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I try to think about why I haven't taken those leaps of faith and haven't pursued some of the exciting things I've dreamt about. One of mm-hmm. which I told myself for years that I wanted to go be an au pair in, in a European country mm-hmm. uh, right after college. And I think, I think part of it for me is one, the fear of then what do I come back to, which is silly because what if I come back, you know, who's to say that I even come back. Um, so, so that's one, one aspect. And two, I think there's a slight piece of, of fear of what others might, might think if it's, you know, running away from problems or if it's um, just, that's not a sensical career path, things like that. And I'm curious to hear from that, that second perspective of the comparison or what people might think if you've seen, or if you experienced anything differently, given that social media wasn't as present, you know, when you were, Mm -hmm. were growing up um, and making all these career moves, Mm -hmm. or if you think that you felt it just as much as, as people might now. Yeah. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is something my wife told me a long time ago that was, she read it somewhere. Is that the reason why they don't put lids on crab pots is because if one of the crabs starts to escape, the others will grab it and pull it back. Um, I don't know if that's literally true, but it's a very mm-hmm. good, a very good story. Yeah. Um, and I think that people are like that too. Um, you know, human beings weirdly, uh, do not necessarily applaud other people's efforts, especially when they get out of their com- comfort zone, especially when it reminds you of your comfort zone and how you're not getting out of it. Um, so it's n- it's completely normal to get snarky comments from people about, you know, oh, you're wasting your life or you're done, you know, from people that, you know, f- frequently are, you know, sitting in front of their tube and they're in, the, in their underwear, their mother's basement at the age of 27 or okay. whatever it is. Um, it's, you know, it, it's, there's a wonderful write-up um, and, and I'll send it to you that, that uh, I think he was a columnist in the eighties and nineties. He's a business columnist. I've forgotten the poor man's name. Anyway, he wrote um, 50, was it 50, 
strategies to uh, find success or 50 strategies to, to flesh out opportunities or something like that. And one of the, one of them was listen to everybody. And the next one was don't listen to anybody. <laughs> and those are simultaneously true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all I can tell you is, you know, what, what does your gut say? What do other people say? But more importantly, what does your gut say? Um, you know, it's, it's, if, if you went to, I don't know, let's pick a company, uh, Hungary, for example, was an au pair. Um, if you, you know, spent your off hours drinking and partying while you were, where you're an au pair, uh, I could make, we could make the case that you are in fact, uh, wasting your life. But if you spent your time, you know, learning about the culture, maybe learning the language, although Hungarian is not trivial, <laughs> I'm told, um, and maybe going to school, you know, getting a an MBA at a Hungarian university, that would be pretty awesome on a resume. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would argue you're not wasting anything. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love that little crab story that's seems yeah. spot on. Um, yeah. Well, I don't want to ask any more like deep questions because that was such a good way to end it. So I do, I do want to ask you though, retired life. How is that? Is it, is it everything it's cracked up to be or how do you fill your days? What is, what is your exciting, um, what's the excitement of retirement like? Oh, it's, it's nice. I, um, I'm doing technical things because I enjoy it and I'm doing it mostly for free. Um, I, uh, for example, I designed and built a cat doorbell because we have uh, a cat that likes to be let out on our patio. And then, you know, of course he meows to be let in Mm -hmm. pretty simple problem. Small problem is, is that he also likes to wallow on the ground and yell. (laughs) So we go out there. Are you wanting in? No, I don't want in. I just want to lay here and yell. Uh That's a problem. So, and then sometimes we forget he's out there and then, you know, hours will go by and we'll forget it, you know, anyway. So, what I did is I designed and built a device with components that are off the shelf. This is not me designing a circuit board mm-hmm. that will listen for a cat using machine learning. It it listens for a cat meowing. If it hears the cat meowing, then it turns on a camera to verify the cat is there. And then it sends me a text message to open the door. No way. Yeah. That is it, so cool. Yeah. And if it's at night, it turns on a little light so the camera can see the cat. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so cool. How long yeah. did time out? Now I've got so many questions. How long yeah. did that take you to figure out one? Mm-hmm. And two, how long did it take you to like build and, and get all the pieces together? Oh, it took me well, first there's been two versions. Version one was audible only, and that led to false alarms. Like I said, the exuberance of cat life, he was just mm-hmm. out there yelling. And so we would get false alarms. Mm-hmm. So that was version one. I did that last year. Took me a few weeks to get it together. Okay. Um, and so this year, you know, about a month ago, I decided, okay, I'm going to update this guy. So I updated it. And that took me, because I knew what I was doing in terms of the components involved by now, that took me only about three, four weeks to finally, you know, get solid the way I want. That's wait. So that's just crazy to me. So you went and purchased all of this stuff Mm -hmm. and just put it all together. That is so neat. Oh my gosh. Very cool. Is it like a big contraption or is it, does it look like kind of like a ring doorbell type? Okay. Very cool. It's a box about yay big. 
Oh, very cool. Oh, that is so nifty. Oh my yeah, gosh. You can, retired you can look life it up. sounds great. Yeah. Retired life. <laughs> I, I spent it doing so. I built a, built a website, built a couple of websites for friends. I do martial arts is my, is my hobby. It's okay. I, uh, I built a couple of martial arts uh, websites for friends, which by the way, I don't know how to do, but I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, is it just because um, you have more time on your hands that you're like, I got oh, more time on my yeah. hands. It's like, ah, what am I, you know, what are they going to do? You know, yeah. they're going to fire me. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know, I have, I have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I built another little sensor for my mailbox so that it would text me when I finally get, you know, mail delivered and yeah, stuff like that. Very cool. Very cool. Oh my gosh. I can imagine your house being like, just like a super cool techie. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. You got it's all fun. The, the gadgets. So cool. Well, tennis, this has been absolutely wonderful. I can't thank you enough. Um, I've very much so enjoyed our conversation and I'm pleasantly surprised by where it took us. I was just telling my roommate, um, I'm trying you know, I love the concept that I have with this podcast of sharing people's career journeys, but mm-hmm. really what I enjoy more and I think is more valuable to the listeners is getting just to hear stories, you know, who mm-hmm. you are as a person, how life has really changed for you. Um, I think the career piece is cool because it exposes people to all the jobs mm-hmm. that are out there. But I really do like to just have these very authentic, authentic conversations, um, share these personal stories. And this is such a great way to really kick it off as I get back into things. So thank you so, so much. I, I really can't thank you enough. You're welcome. You have a great rest of your evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.